0: studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Russia's military offensive has often looked inept, with vehicles running out of gas, soldiers surrendering, and abandoning trucks full of weapons. But the embarrassing videos don't tell the full picture. A senior U.S. military official says Russia still has 95% of its military force in Ukraine intact. More than enough to destroy the country's cities and create much more suffering.
2: Excellent perspective from Richard Engel of NBC News. And to that, Charlie Sykes, blue checkmark journalist, tweeted out, Never again will become again. We are about to see the murder of entire cities to that point. Mariupol is in the news today. I don't think I'd ever heard that name in my life until a couple hours ago. City in Ukraine. Uh, Direct Russian strike at the maternity hospital a little bit ago. People, children under the wreckage, atrocity. How much longer will the world be an accomplice ignoring terror? This is from a reporter over there. Um, Close the sky right now. Uh, No fly zone. Uh, A little more on the city of Mariupol. The deputy mayor tweeting out. uh, The city is under continuous Russian shelling. Genocide is taking place. 1,170 people have been killed. 47 buried today in a mass grave. No water, heat, power, or gas for days. Residents are drinking snow and burning firewood for heat. It's medieval.
1: Mike Lyons is a decorated and retired member of American Armed Forces. He's been a military analyst for a number of broadcast and uh, cable outlets and joins us now. Mike, welcome. How are you? Hey, everyone, guys. Great to be
3: back.
2: So we'll have to get to the no-fly zone conversation again, I suppose. Uh, to Richard Engel's point, how well is the Russian military doing, or uh, is there so much left in reserve that it's a little overstated there being bogged down? <laughs>
3: no no i i think it's a little overstated I, they they're not proving they're fighting they're they're moving like literally pond water right now and that might be for a reason and <clears throat> yeah they brought a lot of things to the battlefield for sure they brought a lot of tanks they brought a lot of trucks vsu 23s bmps you know all, all the whole they you know a lot of everything in the kitchen sink is showed up for this but um remember we were talking last week about uh, the supplies and getting them to uh, the battlefield well 17,000 javelins are going to start showing up on the battlefield right now, and they're going to be in the hands of ukraine military and, and i got to think that they're going to start you know picking off some of those vehicles that are kind of out there and the fact that we can blow the tops off those tanks um the fact that russia has lost any tanks for example i think is just a, an incredible statistic and i think they both decide to a degree they've lost 200 tanks so if they brought 1200 tanks to the battlefield and they've lost 200 already that's a that's a thousand left with 17,000 javelins so that's a 17 to 1 ratio right now and we're going to hit more things with those javelins besides tanks so i think the, there's no question they have mass, and there's no question if they wanted to throw their bodies into it the thing is, is a russian soldier is going to be willing to die for their country because that's what it's going to take when they decide to start storming some of these cities they're going to start take, taking some tremendous casualties and the question is whether they're going to do that or not and, and frankly i just don't see them doing that while the humanitarian horror of the bombardment of Mariupol,
1: for example is just it's beyond the pale the history shows us whether it's the blitz of london or the bombing of dresden that doesn't crush the will of the defender it, it steals
3: right. it isn't russia creating a, a hatred that'll last for a century exactly and it's it's same in vietnam you look in history it's not just you know all over the world that's where it works and and, and again let's go look at geography about mary Pole. it's really close to the russian border the real russian border so a no-fly zone for example wouldn't pick off a strategic missile or something that that flies from Russia likely and hits hits Mariupol there. So, uh, you know that doesn't solve it. You know, if if we want people to have creative solutions about how we're going to stop this, then let's get creative solutions on how we're going to stop it. And just you know, kind of the no fly zone there wouldn't do it. Um, if they want, you know, it's literally right, almost on that border there. Now they want to control that port city. They want to control those all those cities because I think. What they haven't done is moved on Odessa yet. So that's that city to the far west in the Black Sea. Um, They were supposed to do it a couple days ago. We were all warning. You had the Zelensky warning that it was going to be moved on. But but if he's going to leave any out out for himself, he's going to want to take the regions in the Donbass, the Crimea – and this virtual now land bridge that exists between Russia. Uh, Mariupol is in the middle of that, so they likely you know fall over to the other side when the time comes. But if there's any negotiation, that's why he's doing that.
2: So you said something I don't think I've heard anybody say, and this is important, the, the debate going on about a no-fly zone. You're saying that it wouldn't accomplish near as much as people think? So like the shelling of these cities, that's coming from ground artillery?
3: Yeah, is ground artillery or... Um, short to medium range missiles that could be firing coming from Russia itself or coming just, you know, kind of close to the border. These are long range weapon systems. Like they're not just a bunch of mortars that take down buildings like that. They're strategic weapons, 500 pound and 1,000 pound type um, operations. And the fact that they're hitting hospitals means they have got guided weapon systems on them so they're, 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 these are not systems that a no-fly zone if we if we think that's going to solve the problem it won't it won't take it out anyway we, we can't get there in time a no-fly zone has to start on the other side of the fence it's got to start in the polish border romania you know we're, we're not going to be able to put equipment inside of ukraine and, and and claim it for the no no-fly zone it's just not it's just not going to work what do you make of the whole back and forth
1: over uh, furnishing the Ukrainians with the Polish Mig 29s and, and we can't have them go through Ramstein or to have our fingerprints uh, on them? Well, yeah, UG is what we said you
3: know, too. Yeah, to, yeah I'm after the I said earlier on the week on cable network that it was a you know I'm trying to be creative. I don't want to be the bad guy, but come on, that's just never going to work. It was never going to work from the very beginning. We're going to take pilots off the battlefield. We're going to bring them to Poland. We're going to restripe planes there. We're going to counter fit them up for radios all kinds of things that have to happen and then the poll and we we just for whatever reason decided to insert ourselves into this process i don't know was it a virtue signal or not and then the polls called us on it they said okay here we go we're going to ship our ship we're going to ship our planes to Ramstein. you guys are going to take care of it and you're going to ship them back and it's it's going to be great and of course the pentagon that says no we can't get there from here on that because that's clear an escalation an act of war it's not you know how does russia not look at that as, as any other way so, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. It's going to take two months or three months to do it, A. But, B, what's going to be the escalation that Russia's going to do because we do that? I, again, I just don't think we're willing to, to roll the dice in that right now.
1: Well, we were a little hung up on the fact that stingers uh, are fine in aircraft or not. Is that just a, a bright line yeah. that we civilians don't understand?
3: No, it's funny you say that right, because there's this kind of lethal aid, non-lethal aid, right? And we've gone back and forth with Ukraine over the past few years. And the Obama administration got a lot of of, of, of flack for sending non-lethal aid. But as it turns out, a lot of that non-lethal aid, that non-shiny object stuff, um, is going to good use right now. And then Trump comes in, he sends the lethal aid, he sends more of the javelins and stuff. So it's it's kind of worked out in, in that regard. But... But right, where's the bright line between you know lethal aid, and non-lethal aid, and it turns out that you know, maybe the next step of non of lethal aid is mobile um, stingers. Like you could put a, something called an Avenger or something called a um, a launcher that you can you, know, you can put on a, a jeeps and other things. You can move those stingers around a lot quicker instead of having them handheld. You know that might you know that might be the next step we take. But when we start bringing strategic weapons to the battlefield, I'm sure the Russians are going to say that's a clear bright line.
2: Did you happen to see the Wall Street Journal op-ed from the editorial board of, let's stop telling Russia things we won't do?
3: No, but, you know, we've done a good job releasing the intel. I think that's work. But I I do think that we we just keep saying things out loud that we shouldn't be saying. That's
2: what I wondered about. Why do we keep telling the guy, hey, no matter what you do, you shove my kid, you spit on my wife, I'll tell you one thing, I'm never going to punch you in the face. Just let you know that right now. What's the point of that?
3: I, yeah I, I we just can 't help ourselves and I, I i think that a lot of it has to do with with political pressure that's p- taking place i think I think we telling you go back to the no fly zone I, you know everybody wants that you know th- th- there 's so much political pressure to put that on, and, and it 's almost like we 're going to agree to it because we 're just getting worn down by getting asked the question you know five ways to send it well let's say we do a no fly zone with unicorns with that would that be okay let 's say if we <laughs> let's say if we had one with cherry on top would that be okay it's like no it 's not okay there's no way it's ever going to be okay. And we just don't seem to kind of shut the conversation down. We, we, we allow it to linger um, in the media We allow it to meet, linger from a social media perspective. And it, and it just it just kind of lingers on.
1: Two more questions. I just want to make sure I understand this. My client's military analyst online. So you think furnishing the Ukrainians with the Polish, Polish MIGs would be just such a slow process? It's not worth taking seriously at this point?
3: Yeah, it would take six months if that, it would take, you know, it, it, it would, it's completely not worth it. It also escalates things immediately right okay. now. You take Ukraine pilots off the battlefield. The fact that the Ukraine Air Force is still flying two weeks from now, you know, the, 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 you've had a bet on that two weeks ago, you, you, you would have bet that that wouldn't be the case. So we're, we're, we're going to take their pilots off the battlefield right now to go kind of retrain in Rammstein. I mean, are we, are we serious? I mean, come on. We're doing fine. Let's keep the momentum going on the ground. Let's keep providing because we're also wearing down. We want to wear down that that Russian military. We want to wear down their pilots as well. The fact that we're shooting planes out of the sky—it's all you got to know. Twenty-five hundred Stingers were part of that seventeen thousand Javelin um, supply chain uh, operation. Uh, I, let's let's start shooting. Let's start shooting some of those birds out of the sky.
1: Okay. Final question from me. Anyway, I proposed this earlier, and if it's uh, foolish, feel free to tell me. But in some form, given the humanitarian horror in some of the besieged cities. The United States says, Ukraine is a friend, and their government has asked us to provide humanitarian relief. They have authorized us to use their airspace. We're going to fly unarmed planes in, or or we'll have somebody fly them in, volunteers maybe, that have food, medicine, and water, period. Are you going to shoot us down, Vladimir Putin? and make it put put the ball in his hands you want to escalate by shooting down a purely humanitarian flight you know who wants to fly that plane and take that chance is an open question maybe a ukrainian volunteer but is that idea just idiotic
3: it's not um i think that it uh it has some real possibility but it it, it would again draw a very bright line between what he's capable of doing and, and what he would do um the question is where does that plane land? I mean, it, it, Russia's done a pretty good job of going after airstrips and blowing a lot of those things up. So so it's not, you know, the International Airport's not open anymore. I mean, yeah, it, I'm picturing
1: it, it, airdrops, I guess.
3: Yeah, it would have to be a Berlin thing. It would have to be a Berlin airdrop. Um, and And then again, Russia might say... From their side, we don't believe you. It's military weapons. There's all other kinds of things in there. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's not a bad idea. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a, you can put it on the table. But I think it would be a real risky thing to do. Um, you know, perhaps – I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, uh, 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 Vlad, send somebody to inspect the flights. We're more than happy to have you inspect the flights. You can expect them to the moment they fly off, but we're flying them in. We're dropping some. Yeah, in
2: our remaining s- seconds, I guess my issue and part of it is is this discussion is I feel like, and you know, I'm just a. That's why it's good to talk to you. You understand the nuts and bolts and the reality of these things. I'm just a doofus talk show host, but it feels like Putin gets to draw all the lines and we don't.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and that's because he's on the offensive, and that's because we don't have anybody in the real world that can talk to him. Maybe the Israeli prime minister, maybe Erdogan can talk to him, but that's right. I mean, that's how it works when when this is a regional conflict, and we don't want it to escalate. That's, that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Don't get me wrong. Great idea. We could give it a shot, but but, but he's not inspecting anything. He's going to just basically ignore it and basically dare us to do it. And, um it will take a lot of guts for somebody to do something like that. If you know Mark Milley, Mike, feel free to give him my
1: number. You have my permission. <laughs> Mike Lyons, military analyst. We truly appreciate the insight, Mike. Thanks a million. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
2: So is the reality that Putin just gets to call the shots and draw the lines because it's his neighborhood – he wants Ukraine more than we want to defend it. At least so far, public
1: opinion could shift on that. Well, that's been true from the outset. Yeah. But, but again, I think it would not be impossible to design a, a move so pure, so utterly unaggressive, so clearly humanitarian. And you say, it's flying. We'll tell you when. It's going to be noon Friday. Are you going to shoot it out of the sky and launch that? Can
2: you imagine? the? Here's something I do know something about. We know something about media. Um, Can you imagine the media focus on that? Right. I mean, is Putin going to go ahead with every news channel in the world showing that plane? Is Putin going to shoot that out of the sky with some brave Ukrainian uh, volunteer and a plane full of water and medicine?
1: I I say we find out, for God's sake. Children are dying of dehydration. We'll be right back.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: And another blow to their economy. Today, McDonald's announced that it was closing all 850 of its restaurants in Russia. Yeah, we don't want their oil and they can't have our grease.
3: (laughs) Not to be outdone, Arby's announced that they're punishing Russia by staying open. Really? Oh my God! They're open
2: 24-7, yeah.
3: McDonald's in Russia is a little strange. It's the only country that sells unhappy
2: meals. (laughs) Oh uh, gosh! Yeah. Uh, well, I've never understood the Arby's abuse.
1: It's a fine, fine sandwich
2: emporium. It's certainly as good as McDonald's for crying out loud. If we're in the world of, of if you're talking all cuisine, you don't want to beat up on But in the world of fast food, how does Arby's stand out?
1: I don't know. It's the Eastern media elite. That's what I say.
2: It's the worst day in Ukraine yet. Have that next segment.
1: Yeah, not good, not good. Speaking of not good, the uh, the gent who got the uh, the pig heart has passed. I saw that.
2: Yeah. So uh, is his uh, family oh. having
1: him for breakfast? Or?
2: <laughs> oh, gee, oh my god! Remember, he's a scumbag.
1: Do you remember that story? Yeah, he's some sort of criminal. Yeah, he's
2: he? a horrifying criminal. So I
1: I don't well, mind was. making jokes about him. Wow. Well, no, Jack. His family will not be eating him. The uh, the doctor said. He proved to be a brave and noble patient who fought hard all the way to the end. He's known by millions of people around the world for his courage and steadfast will to
2: live. whatever. Good experiment to do on a human.
1: Anyway. Uh, Also, I wanted to, uh, to mention this. If you were listening last hour, you know what we're talking about. If not, go and click anyway. We posted the full article from... I'm reaching behind me. Here we go. Uh, Moshe Krakowski, the fight over what children learn that we discussed at length last hour. It's all about how we ended up with the education system we have in the United States, where the education elite have designed all of public education to mimic their priorities and their life experience. And that's why everybody's got to go to college, of course. Everybody's got to get a degree in sociology and and the rest of it because they did, and they're happy, and they're making money, and they're proud of themselves. And uh, Mr. Krakowski uh, argues quite eloquently that educational priorities need to come from parents, from the community, from the bottom up. And Lincoln, Nebraska is going to be different than Bangor, Maine, is going to be different than Seattle. And it's terrific stuff, and it's posted at armstrongandgetty.com. It's the first link under hot Links which is up there every day. It's links to articles that we discussed, some that we didn't, um, that we just thought were terrific or uh, insightful videos, what have you. But if you care about education, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a child. What are you doing listening to this show? Uh, Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Check out that article, The Fight Over What Children Learn. It's brilliant.
2: I'm struggling to purchase shapewear. Maybe I'll talk about that later. Um... Really bad day in Ukraine. Actually, bad enough day, high profile enough day, this could change worldwide public sentiment quite a bit. Stay tuned.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So,
2: by the end of the day, this is going to look like the worst day yet in Ukraine, and I wonder what that's going to do to world opinion. So I saw David Ignatius of the Washington Post on NBC this morning. He just got back from Europe. He had been traveling around with General Milley, and he said the outpouring of support for the Ukrainians in all the European cities he went to is just amazing. You see flags flying everywhere and demonstrations, and it's just, it's just incredible. It's unlike anything he's ever seen. Um, that's before the news breaking today. So you've got this Mariupol, which is a port city, more or less, that has been surrounded now for days. Hasn't been getting a lot of attention, at least it was not on my radar, but they're being starved out. No food, no water, no electricity, no heat, no water. You can go without food for a long time. You can go without heat and electricity for a while, but you can't go without water for very long at all. And people are dying from that. That was before, just in the last couple hours, a horrifying attack by the Russians on a children's hospital and a maternity hospital is one of the reports. You know, it's very early in this. There's not a lot of journalism coming out of there, but uh, lots of reports, Children's Hospital, Maternity Hospital, targeted by Russian strikes. This was their playbook in Syria. They not only sometimes would hit hospitals, it seems pretty clear they figure out where the hospitals are and bomb them on purpose.
1: Is that to destroy the will of the people? Which will never, ever work. It'll do the opposite. Or is it to deny any medical care? Well, let me
2: finish this report, and then we can can discuss it. Um, uh, Maternity hospital, children's hospital, many people buried in the rubble. The city is completely surrounded. There's no electricity, water, or gas as they're trying to dig these people out of a hospital. Russia refuses to provide a green corridor. The city is facing a humanitarian catastrophe. This could galvanize world opinion toward something. I don't know what it'll be
1: well it's historic evil i mean it's just an astonishing level of disregard for the uh, the humanity of mankind i mean it's it's it, putin sticking his thumb in the eye of the eu and the un and really any human anywhere with a beating heart and saying how you you going to stop me what are you going to do yeah and with- i have nuclear arms with full
2: respect to Mike Lyons, and I mean that in in every way, because he's dealing with, we just talked to him earlier this hour, and he's dealing with this from a reality military standpoint. I'm dealing with it in the worst way to deal with situations like this, emotionally, having very little knowledge. <laughs> so that's the worst way to deal with these things. But how in the year 2022, Does the free world allow children's hospitals to be bombed and they're trying to dig people out of the rubble rubble with no electricity or water? How do you allow that to happen? Or is that do do I need to just sit down and be lectured that it's just the way
1: it is for now? Anything we could do to stop it immediately would absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, be a coin flip as to whether a world war erupted. And many, many, many millions more died.
2: There is an answer to my question, and it's it's an answer a lot of people have been making the last couple of weeks. You stop this like eight years ago when you don't allow him to take Crimea or you don't allow him to do all kinds of different things. You let bad Mm -hmm. guys do little by little by little by little, you know, opening the Overton window... Of what's acceptable in the world, and that's where that's how you get to this, a 21st yeah. century city city being bombed and starved out like this, bombing hospitals, and the child, world not in child, a position
1: where they can do anything about it. Right, children dying of dehydration if they're not being buried in rubble. Right. It's
2: it's also as I meander from thing to thing, why. You Although we have
1: more on that. If are we meandering away from that or not completely.
2: Okay. It's right. why you can't let bad countries get nuclear weapons. Because you're seeing the way they can hold the world hostage. If he didn't have nuclear weapons, it's a completely different ball game in terms yep. of the ability to stop him from doing this stuff. It's why we can't let Iran get a nuclear weapon or we should have worked harder to keep North. You can't let bad countries get nuclear weapons or they get to hold you hostage like this. Yeah, and well, bomb freaking kids' hospitals.
1: True. True to whatever extent you can prevent it, prevent it. But it's harder than it looks, as you know. You pointed out with some of the rogue nations that have them. Pakistan for goodness' sake, it's hardly a country at all. But uh, getting back to the whole, how can the free world let this happen? It's it, it's incredibly painful and sickening, no doubt. And we wish there was something we could do swiftly uh, to prevent any further horror and to punish the aggressor. But I would point out that we are uh, we are. Uh, Crushing Russia economically. The, the rest of the world, not we, the United States, the rest of the world. We are also furnishing astounding numbers of arms to the brave Ukrainians, including the Ukrainians who continue to pour back into the country from around the world. Uh, and humanitarian aid, although that's been stopped, and I go back to the Joe Getty plan or the ANG plan, whatever you want to call it. Tell Putin, we're flying in relief flights. They're not going to be armed. They're going to be civilian transports. If you shoot them down, then it's on biatch. Anyway, um, and that's the stuff that is known. I would suggest that there is a level of covert aid that would probably snap your eyes open. At least I certainly hope there is. Whether It's probably not special forces on the ground, but it's, it's our very best spooks and very best technology and, and, uh, and stuff I can't even guess at. I certainly hope that's the case, and I hope it, it uh, you know, has an effect on the, on the contest, on the battlefield.
2: President Zelensky has shared thoughts through reporters independently confirming the video of the aftermath of a Russian strike on a maternity hospital. I'm looking at it right now. It looks awful. Uh, Zelensky saying people and children are under the wreckage. Atrocity. How much longer will the world be an accomplice ignoring terror? Close the sky right now. The move politically toward this no-fly zone. Not talking militarily or what it will accomplish or how hard it is or whatever, but politically is gonna take leaps today when this to, story gets out.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely true. I hate to be on the opposite side of something from uh, the the great uh, Vladimir. Uh, I I don't think that was probably uh, a munition drop from an airplane. I think it was probably a guided missile from Russian territory, as Mike Lyons was discussing. So I'm not the obsession with the no fly zone. I'm I'm not sure how much that would do. Um, and and it's probably way too late to install effective, uh, missile defense in these places. Yeah. Wow. I've been taking, not to mention the fact that a no fly zone is incredibly complicated and difficult and involves uh, either involves attacks on Russian soil. And if I have to explain to you what that would mean, well, you need to get up to speed or it would be utterly ineffective.
2: So I got a little thing here about Putin that's worth doing. And this is uh, written in the New York Times before he bombed the children's hospital, maternity hospital today. Which again is uh, what he did in Syria for years and the world allowed it to happen. Um, Maybe for similar reasons. What were you going to do? Go to war with Russia over it? So this Well, we
1: could have done a hell of a lot more, but go on.
2: Fiona Hill writing today in the New York Times about how Putin thinks this mentality that Russia is always under siege, its leaders are always under siege. People always want regime change in Russia. Every time he looked, Putin looked at something that happened, for example, in the so-called color revolutions or uprisings in various countries, the Arab Spring. What happened? You saw Hosni Mubarak of Egypt, the longstanding leader, basically pushed out of power, ended up in a prison cell. Putin saw that. Even worse, you saw Muammar Gaddafi shot by rebel forces in what looked like a drainage pipe. We hear stories that Putin played that image to himself over and over again, working himself into more of a state of paranoia. How crazy is that? Hmm. The overthrowing of Saddam Hussein and his hanging in Iraq. This is what Putin thinks about on a daily basis. He thinks that the United States is in the business of regime change, and that always throughout history there's been some malevolent force, mostly coming from the West mostly coming from the West, who's out basically to change Russia, to subjugate Russia, and basically install its own version of a Russian power. So unfortunately right now, even all the events of the present are feeding into that mentality.
1: Well, he's right about changing Russia. Absolutely. And he views that as subjugating Russia, or him ending up with his head popping off like Sodom or something. I, I get that. Um, so
2: that would fit it's in... only half
1: paranoid. That would
2: fit in with... All the things I've read that, oh, in fact, uh, we might have clips of this. There was a hearing yesterday with all of our smartest people in the military and otherwise talking about uh, Putin and how he's more dangerous than ever, that he has been cornered and feeling hopeless. Um, How how do we deal with that? How, How do we deal with the fact that he feels like he might end up at the end of a rope like Saddam Hussein? A guy who thinks he might end up hung or shot in a
1: drainage ditch is willing to do anything. That's why you give him an off-ramp. As you've quoted mm-hmm. Sung Tzu, surround him only on three sides. What possible off-ramp can we
2: offer him at this point?
1: I don't know. It sickens me to say, but you could tell him, look, call off the dogs, we'll lighten up the sanctions. Stop bombing Ukraine. Pull your forces back, say you made a mistake, and we'll all go about our business.
0: Here's a little from that hearing yesterday. Putin is angry and frustrated right now. He's likely to double down and try to grind down the Ukrainian military with no regard for civilian casualties. If he plays over and
2: over in his head the idea of these various world leaders who have met their fate at the hands of others or uprisings in our own country, he's willing to do anything. He thinks I'm going to die anyway. What the hell do I care? Let's see what happens with a tactical nuke.
1: Yeah, it could happen, I suppose. I, I'm not sure how slaughtering people in hospitals in Ukraine is going to further any of his goals.
2: Oh, yeah, and to that point, you've been uh, talking about, there's all kinds of examples through history of how this just hardens people's resolves. H- how does he, well, they won in Syria. Bashar al-Assad is still in charge of Syria.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I suppose but that would you know he had a regime and a security force and and pretty damn good control for a couple of generations over his crappy little country um that the same cannot be said of of Ukraine i mean russia is going to have to stretch and project its power over a large country with a big population and it's just it's it's a different playing field and different people involved well here's what i think
2: you ought to look for today the first probably senator almost certainly a republican who's going to say nato needs to install a no fly zone or we need to put nato troops on the ground blah, blah blah that sort of thing and then maybe quickly a few more people join in
1: unless i'm mistaken there have been a couple who brought up the no fly zone been in favor of it but um yeah, the drum beats will, uh, the the drums of war will definitely be beaten today. It's going to be interesting to see who says what. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, a lot of, most
2: politicians are cowards. Some of these people just actually want to save children from being bombed. There's no doubt about it. But a lot of politicians are just going to go with whichever direction the wind is blowing. And uh, there could be a just a, a, a sea change of opinion on this over this today. Oh, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already looking at the videos coming out. They're not good. Uh, your thoughts. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC.
0: all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. If we do what we can, it will mean that no one has to worry about the price of the gas pump in the future. The most important step that we need right now is, will the president announce that he's going to unleash American energy? Production in the
1: United States is increasing. It's increasing to uh, record levels. In the short term, I, we expect and we are seeing the production increase by about 700,000 barrels a day in the United States. all right a bunch of folks talking about gas prices and biden saying we can't do much right now about gas prices russia is responsible and then jen pasaki unleashed the pile of bull duty that they frequently do when talking about how what are you talking about increasing production 61
3: and there are nine thousand unused approved drilling permits so i would suggest you ask the oil companies why they're not using those if there's a desire to drill more
1: Many thousands of those. Per- you know what? I could answer it for you. I'm going to let Phil Flynn, who's an energy expert, uh, say why that is bold duty. Michael, just to hit us with his statement.
0: Uh, it's one of the most misleading statistics. It's an old Democratic talking point that we've heard for years. And it, it's meant to deflect blame from this administration for, for oil produce uh, uh, fields not producing. Bottom line here is we did hear from the oil industry after Gen Saki said that they came back and said, "Listen, the reason why we 're not drilling is some of those those wells are dry, some of them is because you 've increased royalty rates to the level where it wouldn 't be profitable to drill, and we have a relative uncertainty about the regulatory environment going forward." You know, for example, if we decide to drill on land, we might not be able to move that oil if you decide to kill that pipeline over there, uh, like you did the Keystone Pipeline, threatening to do potentially on the the Dakota Access Pipeline. So this is creating an uncertainty and holding back. I think
2: most Americans are on to this whole story. When I had some polling earlier that 80% of Americans think we should do more uh exploring energy in our own country
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i'm reminded of the tap dance republicans have to do to avoid offending the trump loving base jen saki there can't say look we've choked off oil drilling and pipelines and all because of The core Democratic voter thinks oil is evil because they're utterly unrealistic. They think windmills can power uh, their cars next week. And so we can't tell the truth or they'd stop voting for us. So she offers up that idiotic 9000 permits not being used. They should just use those permits. The the canceling the Keystone
2: pipeline is the most uh, amazing thing that Barack Obama got away with. In 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 trying to portray that as necessary in any way, all kinds of studies done. It was clearly better for the environment, better for the global environment in every Mm -hmm. way. Um, But it's just it's. I mean, it's the. I'm almost tired of the term virtue signaling. But it was purely a virtue signal. It had nothing to do with reality. And unfortunately, media not interested enough in the story, or they're all. You know, most of the media also believes we're. If you ask the average person in the media what percentage of cars being bought are electric cars, they'd probably guess like thirty or forty percent. When it's or even twenty, I was going to say twenty. When it's closer to one point eight percent,
1: right, right. Oh, did you see the other day uh, Biden, well, not Biden himself, his people tweeted out that General Motors is investing X amount in electric cars and they've created X number of jobs for electric cars and Ford has done this and that. Congratulations to our brave automakers. And Elon Musk tweeted back, Tesla's invested 10 times as much and created 20 times as many jobs. And you won't mention us. Maybe mention that to the people who run your Twitter and sells 70 percent of all electric cars.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And phony AF,
1: as the kids <laughs> say these days.
2: But my point was, and I got off track, was I think people are on to this whole gas thing and all those stickers at the gas pumps with the picture of Biden pointing toward the dollar sign saying, <laughs> I, did this. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that is going to grow. Biden's going to try to make this
1: Putin's fault, but he is going to take so much of the blame. Oh, oh my gosh, I just realized. How much time do we have left, Michael? Got a minute and a half. Oh, oh, good, good, good. We got a little time. I got, we haven't gotten to the new Kamala clip. So the incompetence. I, I blame myself. This is Kamala promoting the idea of gas-powered cars. Hang with this, which is 60
3: Imagine cents. all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been. Oh, Jesus. And then to make the possible actually happen. When
2: she starts into Uh, that tone where she's uh, doing her little phrases and everything. uh,
1: (laughs) Today is the day for you to stop talking, which is every day. And yes, no more talking. And together, if we work together, we can imagine that which is and make it could be. Together. What the the hell? are, Are you a mad lib? You're a walking mad lib. Grab the podcast if you miss a segment.
0: Armstrong and Getty.